Amen. Praise God. I want you to open your Bibles to 2 Corinthians, or as Donald Trump would say, 2 Corinthians. Uh, 2, Corinthians 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 8. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 8. Paul was speaking to the Corinthians, and he'd gone through a lot. He'd been beaten, stoned, uh, out, thrown out of cities, uh, arrested, a lot of different things. And he tells them in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 8, he says, We are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down but not destroyed. Have you ever been there? Felt like you've been hard-pressed on every side? Every which way you turn, seems like everything's just pressing in on you, just getting, getting harder and harder. Hard-pressed on every side, every side. I remember one time I said, man, it's like every place I look, there's, I gotta, there's something to fix, something's breaking down. Whatever. And it's just, as I was saying that, I thought, oh, that's okay, hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Satan might press us hard, but he doesn't have the ability to crush us. Amen. And then he says, um, we are perplexed. You ever been perplexed? And I used to think, I'd be perplexed, and then I'd have this struggle. God's not the author of confusion. God's not the author of confusion. And God say, are you confused or are you perplexed? And I think, well, I'm not confused. <laughs> I know God is God. I know that he is for me, he's not against me, and I know that Satan's working this, and he's the one that's bringing this, this trial. So I'm not confused about that. I just don't understand exactly why it's happening, and I don't exa know exactly why or what I need to do to get out of it. So we can be perplexed, but, you know, not confused. And, but Paul says here, he tells them, he says uh, that uh, we're hard-pressed, not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, because when... Confusion, and then that brings about doubt, and it leads to despair, where we're just ready to throw our hands up and give up. But the whole thing is, is that don't quit, because quitters never win, and winners never quit. He says, persecuted, but not forsaken, or not abandoned. God has not abandoned us. When you're being persecuted, when, when maybe those around you are making fun of you because of your beliefs, or somebody, you know, when you... When you're going through a difficult time and, and you're standing firm and you're praying and you're trusting God and people are like, well, you know, that's crazy. Well, you know, that's okay. Trust God. Because not everybody under... When we're perplexed, how can anybody else understand it? You know? <laughs> but we keep on keeping on. There's a, a little writing. I guess it's a poem. It's called Don't Quit. And it says... I'm having to use my phone, my little smartphone today. Um, for my notes because <sighs> my notes didn't print out and my iPad wouldn't link on to the internet, so we just use what we got, right? That, that fails, we'll just go from there. Um, but I wanted to read this to you. It's, it's called Don't Quit. It says, when things go wrong, as they sometimes will, when the road you're trudging seems all uphill, when the funds are low and the debts are high, and when you want to smile, but you have to sigh, when care is pressing you down a bit, rest if you must, but don't you quit. Life is strange with its twists and turns, as every one of us sometimes learns. And 
Many a failure turns about when he might have won if he'd stuck it out. Don't give up. Though the pace seems slow, you may succeed with another blow. Success is failure turned inside out. The silver tint on the clouds of doubt. And you can never tell how close you are. It may be near when it seems so far. So stick to the fight when your hardest hit. It's when things seem worse that you must not quit. Wow. Heavenly Father, we ask that you would speak to our hearts today. As we turn to you today and to your word, let us hear your word and let us apply it into our lives that we might allow it to lead us and guide us through every step of our life, through the challenges, through the, the good times, through the rough times, through the perplexing times, through the hard-pressed times, Lord, through the joyous times, let us have that joy that passes all understanding in all situations. Lord, let us be able to say, as the Apostle Paul said, that no matter what state we're in, therewith be content. Help us to be content in you. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. I'd like for you to open your Bibles now to the book of Revelation, to the third chapter. And we started this last week, a little mini-series called Down But Not Defeated. And we read about the Philadelphia church in Revelation chapter 3, and really... They are the models for what Paul was writing about there, being hard-pressed but not crushed, perplexed, but uh, not in despair, persecuted but not abandoned. This was a church that had been through that, and they didn't quit. Things were difficult, but they just didn't quit. They just kept on, kept keeping on. And that's who we need to be today, amen? We need to be this church because there's a great promise to this church, to this kind of people, people that have this kind of attitude that are going to be faithful to the Lord Jesus Christ no matter what happens, going to keep on going, keep on trusting him, keep on loving him, faithful to him and not quit, then he gives a promise. And so we want to see that today. And he says in Revelation chapter 3, verse 7, and I'm reading from the New King James today, he says, and to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, these things saith he who is holy, he who is true, he that... Uh, hath the key of David, uh, he, he that opens and no man shutteth and shuts and no man opens. says, I know thy works. Behold, I have set before you an open door and no one can shut it. For thou hast a little strength and hast kept my word and has not denied my name. Because thou hast kept the word of my patience, I also, this is verse 10, because thou hast kept the word of my patience, I also will keep thee from the hour of temptation or trial, which shall come upon all the world to try them that dwell upon the earth. Wow. Did you see that promise in verse 10? Amen. Because you kept the word of my patience, or to endure patiently is what that means. Jesus is, pa is patient. He's waiting for the Father to send the word and say, hey, go get my people. Jesus is being patient. We need to be patient also. I wish I'm ready for him to come. I wish he'd come right now. This is the Super Bowl today, Super Bowl Sunday. But I want to tell you, there's a bigger engagement. There's a bigger competition that's going on in the heavenly realms. And it's for the souls of mankind. And, you know, I'll tell you what, we need to be the team that takes the field and not quit. Sometimes I feel like we're in the second half. We're getting ready to go into the second half. Been in this thing for a while. And sometimes, you know, in that second half, boy, you come out of the first half beaten up, 
and behind on the scoreboard, and you think, oh my goodness, how is this ever going to happen? And then have you ever seen that when they pull it out, when the team comes out, in the second half, they pull it out and they make it, uh, you know, they come from behind to win? Isn't that cool? And everybody, you know, shouts, yeah, this is great. What a finish. I want to tell you something, that's who we are. Because it might seem like we are behind on the scoreboard. We probably are. You know, pushed way back, pressed down. Satan thinks he has us. He thinks he's got us. He thinks he's won, but he hasn't. So we just need to have a, a locker room talk, you know. We need to and uh, really understand who we are. And, yeah, we can come from behind. Absolutely. No matter what your trouble is, what your difficulty is, however you're hard-pressed, you can come and win this thing. In Proverbs chapter 24, verse 16, Solomon, the, credited to be the wisest man that ever lived, says, For a righteous man may fall seven times and rise again, but the wicked shall fall by calamity. Hey, a righteous man falls seven times, he just gets up and keeps on getting up. Amen. And that's the key to winning. You just get on up, dust yourself off, and just don't quit. Keep getting up. Keep moving forward. Amen? Don't quit. You know, what defines us is how we rise after falling. That's what people see. You know, they see your fall. They see your problem. They see your difficulty. They see your challenge. And then the next thing, they're waiting to see, do you give up or do you get up? Give up or get up. And when you get up and you move on and you move on with confident assurance, that says something. You're not shaken. You know, I like to see a team that comes out with confidence. They might be behind, but they're not shook, shook up, and they just stay with it, stay with the plan. And they're just, you know, execute the plan. Just execute the plan. That's what, that's what you need to do every time. Just follow the plan, right? Stick to the basics. That's what we need to do. Just need to stick to the plan. Vince Lombardi said this. He said, winning is not some, uh, a sometime thing. Winning's not just a sometime thing. He said it's an all-the-time thing. You don't win once in a while. You don't do the right thing once in a while. You do them right all the time. Winning is a habit. And he says, unfortunately, losing is too. People, we need to get in the habit of winning because you're a winner, not a wiener. <laughs> you are a victor, not a victim. And so we need to get in the habit of winning. That we just do the right thing. And you do it over and over. And we win over and over. And even though Satan thinks that he might be winning, he's not. We keep pushing forward, moving forward. This Philadelphia church that we read about here in Revelation chapter 3, this church is the faithful church, really the, the bride of Christ, the full overcomers of Christ. They overcame everything that the devil could throw against them. They overcame everything that life could throw against them. They overcame everything, every temptation that came against them. You know, we battle against sin, we battle against self, and we battle against Satan. Not everything's the devil. Hello, sometimes it's me. <laughs> sometimes I'm the, my worst enemy if I don't watch out. And I got to overcome me. Paul said in Romans chapter 6, it's all about overcoming me. He says, I count myself, or I reckon myself to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God. And that means every day. And he said, I die daily. 
It's a daily thing. Winning is an all-time thing. I don't just do it every once in a while. Being a Christian is an, an all-time thing. It's not a part-time thing. You're not just called to be a Christian on Sunday morning or Wednesday night. You're called to be a Christian all time. On the job and where it's difficult, when it's really difficult, that's when you really shine. When it's the darkest is when you shine the brightest. That's, what, that's where our testimony is. That's where we win not where we give in. We win. You know, God has set before this church, this Philadelphia church, many open doors. He set before us many open doors of opportunities or ways of escape. You know, he says, Paul writes to the Corinthians as well, he says, no temptation has taken you that's not common to men. In other words, he says, there's, there's temptations that come in this world. You're going to be tempted. You're going to be tested. The trials will come. But none of them come without a way of escape. Now think about it. You don't have to raise your hand because I know every one of us in here have gone through this. You know, in times in our life when temptation comes, you know, do I drink this or not? Do I smoke this or not? Do I take this or not? Do I go with that person or not? You know, it's all, you know, do I give in or not? And at that point right there, that's the, the point of that escape. We have the choice that says, yeah, I'm going to go on, or nope, I think I better get out of here. Joseph talks about him when Potiphar's wife came in, and she was just doing her thing and giving her look, and uh, she made her move. And so his move was, when she grabbed his coat, he threw off the coat, and he ran. You know? He got out of there because he didn't trust himself. And so he made, he made an escape. He made an exit, a way of escape. God puts before us open doors, doors of opportunities to witness for him, to, to be a testimony to others, to, to let his light shine through us. You know, he's called us, uh, it's not by our good works that we're saved, but he saved us unto good works, that we're to let our light shine, that men might see your good works and glorify the Father through what you're doing. Your good works is being obedient to the word of God being a testimony, being a living example of what the Bible is talking about. So God opens opportunities, and when he does, we need to be there to work. We need to be there to, to do what we're called to do, do what a Christian does, be there to do what Jesus would do. And if he shuts the door, then we've got to wait. Sometimes waiting is a whole lot harder than working. How many people in here are like me that it's hard to wait? I'd rather be doing something than waiting. It's like, when's it going to happen? When's it going to happen? When's it going to happen? You know? And that's the same way we feel also about this open door of translation. One of these days we're going to be taken out of here. It's like, well, when, Lord? Well, if it seems so close back then, it's really close now. And sometimes God says, well, wait. Ugh. I hate that. I used to hate that when my dad would, I'd ask him for something. He'd say, well, wait a, wait a little bit. What? Can't you say yes? <laughs> it wasn't yes or no, it was wait. And sometimes that's how God is when we pray. He doesn't, he, he's going to answer, but it's not yes, not no, but it's wait. And those are tough times. And so when that door closes, then we wait patiently, when we wait and we honor the Lord and we do what his word tells us to do. And we function like we ought to function as a believer. You know, we live in these days of, of doubt and discouragement and depression and, and really depravity and, and doom in some sense. But 
um, you know, our life is affected by economic difficulty and moral decay and marriage challenges and spiritual decline. And, um, you know, a spirit of defeat could easily overwhelm us. But that's when you can rise up and really be a champion. And the Philadelphia church that we just read about there in Revelation chapter 3 is a champion group. They're champions because they have to rot. They have to go down deep and pull up that, that strength and rise to the occasion. Sometimes, you know, you see a champion team and they just don't play very good when maybe the first few quarters or something because they just hadn't got excited yet. They just couldn't see the, the need, you know. Sometimes it, it gets where there's not, you're not being challenged anymore. And then they just reach down deep inside and say, hey, we've got we to gotta win this thing. We've got to dig down deep and we've got to pull ourselves out of this. I'm going to tell you something. It's time for the church to arise, to dig down deep and to pull out that champion that's within us and to be the bride of Christ. What he's calling us to as this Philadelphia church is. He says there in verse 8 of chapter 3 of Revelation, he says, I know thy works. You can fool some of the people some of the time. You can fool most of the people most of the time, but you can't fool God. He knows. He knows your works. He says, behold, I have set before you an open door. And, and so there is that open door. And then he says, for thou hast a little strength. And I mentioned last week that he didn't say to any of the other churches that they even had any strength. So that's really a compliment. Although it was a little strength, he says, you've kept my word and have not denied my name. And we talked about that little strength that, you know, Sometimes the faithful and the, and the true, maybe they're not big in number. Maybe they're not big in, in, the, in, in money. Maybe they don't have everything, but you know what they have is that integrity and that steadfastness that says we're going to trust God and not deny who he is. Not deny who he is. You know, like Christian Center could conform and just do some things different. Not everybody likes it whenever, you know, the Holy Spirit moves. There's a lot of empty seats today because some people don't like that. You know, so what do we do? Do we change that? I remember going to a conference in Chicago, right outside of Chicago, Illinois, with uh, Steve Muncy. And there were several pastors there, really from all over America. Uh, Tommy Barnett was there from Phoenix. There were some pastors down from New York, all over. And Spearfield pastors. And we know what the discussion was. There's a lot of churches that have the seeker, for, they're, they're seeker friendly. And I believe that we ought to be friendly. We want whosoever will may come, you know. God loves every one of us the same. And he loves the sinner. He just hates the sin. And so he wants us to get saved. And, and uh, so there's a lot of seeker friendly churches, but what they do is they don't, you don't want to challenge anybody. Don't rock the boat. Don't tell me I got to do something because that makes me nervous, you know. Don't give me something I have to commit to. I get nervous about that. So don't put pressure on people. Just let them be at ease, you know, and just talk about something that's uplifting and just, you know, be gentle and don't press anybody to make a decision. That's, the, you know, that's the thing. That's the jest. Because you don't want to make anybody nervous. Lord, help us if you had to raise your hand for something. You know, it might make you nervous. And if you make somebody nervous, then they might just leave and you might dry, run them off, you know. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. How many of you have ever been nervous sitting in church or in church? I have. I'm nervous all the time. I, praise God, you know. I want God to move. I get nervous if I think he's not going to move anymore. And so the thought was and the discussion was, you know, do we change and do we 
Do we become churches that, it's like, this is the only, these are the only churches that really the Holy Spirit, the manifestation of the Holy Spirit is being seen in. Do we, do, do we change and conform because it makes people nervous? I tell you what, it was a serious thing of prayer. You know, and it's something that you face every day. It's like, well, if we do, then where's somebody going to find that? Where will they find what Jesus said when he was getting ready to leave? He says, I'm going to pray. I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I'm going to pray. I'm going to ask the Father to send the comforter, the counselor, who will lead you into all truth. We need the work of the Holy Spirit. He is a real person. He's not a power that you get a hold of. He's a person that wants to get a hold of you and to lead you into all truth and to show you the open door that Jesus has made for you. Or when it's closed, he'll be there to comfort us and say, come on, stay with it. Come on, let's work a little fruit through your life, some love and some joy, a little peace. You need a lot of patience, some kindness, some goodness. You need some faithfulness, a little gentleness. You need a lot of self-control. Come on, we got a lot of work to do here. He's always working on us. But you know, let's don't do anything that makes people nervous. Let's don't let the Holy Spirit move and speak something out like, thus saith the Lord, like a word of prophecy or knowledge or wisdom or tongues, or God forbid. You know, even if the interpretation does come, that was weird. I remember when I was about 16 years old, we went to a camp meeting a couple of my friends, we rode motorcycles together. They went with us, man. We were just, you know, we just 16-year-old boys, you know. And you know what 16-year-old boys like. And we're sitting there, and all of a sudden, and I remembered back when I was little, raised at camp meetings, and all of a sudden things start to get a little, and you starting to get weird. You could hear people saying these weird things. And, and so my friend Joe, he'd been with us, he says, is this when it gets weird? And I said, yeah, this is when it gets weird, you know. I know we, it, it embarrasses us when we bring our friends and that happens. Lord, help us. What are we to do? Do we just shut that out? Try to make it go away? Do we quench the spirit? God's got a lot to say about that. It does make us nervous sometimes. But I want to tell you something. God wants to speak to people. How's he going to do it? I guarantee you, if that roof blew open and you heard this booming voice, you'd have a heart attack and die. And then what good would you be? <laughs> you couldn't do anything then. <laughs> You'd be worthless. And so God does use men and women to speak through. And that's why he said, that's what Joel said. When the New Testament closes out, they, they were, Peter was saying, hey, this is that that the prophet Joel spoke about. He said, in the last days, God will pour out his spirit on all flesh and your sons and your daughters will prophesy and the young men will have dreams and your old men will have visions and those that have mid-life crisis will just dream and have visions and, and dream about visions. No, he didn't say that. I'm adding that. So is it true? Is that true? He's going to pour out his spirit on all flesh? That's us. So what do we do? Do you think that there's an emphasis in this last day to not respond to that? Sure there is. It's tough. It's tough to be a church when 
things like that when it's against popular, it's not popular or it makes people nervous. We don't want to make any people nervous. We don't want to make you uncomfortable. But we do want to introduce you to the God that created all things and the Spirit of God that hovered and brooded over all the earth was present at creation, is present now, and will bring about creating miracles in our lives. I'm sorry. But I just have to let him be the director. I have to let him be the operator. I have to let him be the chief shepherd. I, can't, I won't apologize for the Holy Spirit. Now, I apologize for some people that think that they got the Holy Spirit. Yeah, you know, I mean, there's people that miss it. We've all seen that, right? There's flesh. And some people think, well, I'm going to make the Holy Spirit move. Well, he'll let you step out there and make a fool out of yourself. <laughs> so when that happens, that's when we say, well, they were missed it. Bless their hearts. Isn't that how we do that? Because <laughs> that solves everything. Well, bless their hearts. And then, then everything's okay. <laughs> and we all understand that they missed it. You know, bless their hearts. <laughs> but people, this Philadelphia church... They had a little strength. They weren't popular, you know. They should have conformed like some of the other churches, but they did not deny his name. They said, this is who God is. And I'll not apologize for who God is. He's the creator. He's almighty God. He's a God of love. He's a holy God. And his spirit is present with us today. He sent his spirit to dwell among us that we might know who he is. And he said he would divide among all of us individually as he wills these 12 gifts. Wow. We have a big responsibility. As that type of church, we have a big responsibility. Because how will they know if they're not told? How will people know if 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 there's no place to see him? So, we do what we are supposed to do. Amen? Amen. Praise God. And so he says, you know, I know, that, I know your strength. I know that you just have a, a, little, uh, a little strength, but you have not denied my name. You're still following after me. You, you haven't denied who I am, that I'm all-powerful. I'm the all-knowing. I'm who, who I am, and I'm who you need me to be in that situation if you trust me. Not denied my name. See, you could, we, sometimes they would get down, but they weren't defeated. They weren't, they weren't uh, under. You know, they were going to go over. Praise God. So he says, you know what? Because you've kept the word of my patience, because you've endured patiently and you've not denied my name, he says, you know what? There's something for you. I got something for you. He says, you know, when this trial is going to come upon the whole world, he says, I'll take you out of that. That's what he's saying there in verse 10. You don't have to go through that. You've gone through enough already. So you know what? i got an open door for you. i got an exit for you. We call it rapture. We call it, you know, being translated. And that's nothing new. I mean, Enoch was translated. Elijah was translated. You know, Jesus got caught up. Those that rose from the dead, whenever he rose from the dead, all those, it said that, that, Many, many people received their loved ones back to them. How do you think they got out of here? Amen. They were raptured. 
I watched a movie the other night. It's called The Remaining. The Remaining. And it was about rapture. And it was pretty good, but it was kind of like a Christian horror flick. <laughs> and one of the things that they showed was like that the bodies were just, they'd just drop over, you know, and their eyes would be open like that. And that they got raptured. But I believe that we're going to go get caught up. And because it talks about that he's going to uh, redeem us spirit, soul, and body, you know, we'll, and just caught up. People are like, what happened? When I go up, there's going to be two titanium hips laying here, some steel, uh, some stainless steel wire that's around here, some screws and different things that are around and a bunch of thread and, and suture that's all in this shoulder and this shoulder and going to have just a glob of stuff there. It'll be good survival stuff for those preppers that are here <laughs> left behind. <laughs> yeah. But I want to get out of here. I'm not looking for a hole in the ground. I'm looking for a hole in the sky. I'm looking for that open door that he said that he put before us. And he says, since you've kept my command to endure patiently, is what it says in the NIV, faithful till he comes, I will also keep you from the hour of trial that is going to come upon the whole world to test those who live upon it. He's saying to the Philadelphia church, if um, they would not enter into that future time of, tr of trouble, he couldn't, he couldn't say it any, any plainer. You know, some people say, well, he meant that he was going to, um, keep you through the, tri the tribulation. If he would have done that, there would have to be a different word in the Greek. It didn't mean through. It means out of. That's the, literally what it means is out of this. It means to be taken out of this thing. Um, and again, different scholars, they've attempted to try to avoid the, uh, this here at the end. If they, are, they believe in post-tribulation that you're going to go all the way through, but the verb keep, it means uh, it's... It's different from the preposition word from. Let me look at my notes here that I jotted down. It says it's in sharp contrast to the meaning of keeping the church through, a preposition which is not used here. The expression, the hour of trial, is a definite period of time that he says he will keep us out of. Now, if he said it, I believe it. How many of you believe that? How many say, you know, that's what I'm looking for? And you know what? It's worth putting up with some stuff. I can make it. I can make it through anything that this world has to throw at me because, you know what, I've got something better than I'm looking for. I'm ready for, I want to hear that trumpet. I want to hear that, what Paul said in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 16. He says, for the Lord himself, he's not going to send an angel, for the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and the trump of God. This trumpet is going to sound, and that, that angel is going to say, sound the trumpet. The Lord Jesus is right there. The, the voice of the archangel and the trump of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with him in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. And he says, wherefore comfort one another with these words. You can make it. Just don't quit. Don't quit. Life is hard as it sometimes Will as, it, as that thing says, but you know what? We don't have to stop. We don't have to quit. You know, it's a definite time frame. I want you to turn to Philippians chapter 3 and, and verse 10 through 16, and we'll wrap this thing up. Is that okay? Of course, you know what that means when you say wrap it up. It takes a while to wrap things up. <laughs> Six verses we've got to go through here to wrap things up. I just wanted to give you some hope. <laughs> I want to put an open door before you that you can see your way out of this thing. Verse... 10 of Philippians chapter 3, Paul says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. 
If he conquered death, hell, and the grave, do you think he can take care of us? You got to know the power of his resurrection. Oh, I feel an Easter message coming on. And the fellowship of his sufferings. Wait a minute. Oh, there's that word, sufferings. It's plural. Sufferings. The fellowship means the abiding with him, getting, you know, go with him through these things, the suffering, being conformed to his death. Hmm. If by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Paul said, you know what? I want to know him. I want to know him. I don't need to know anything. I want to know him and the power of his resurrection. And I want to be conformed to, to what happened at his death that, that he triumphed over. That's what I want to be conformed to. I want to be conformed to a champion, to one that didn't quit. What if Jesus, instead of saying it's finished, he said, it's over, I'm done, I'm going to die off of this thing. I had enough of this already. And he quit. There'd be no hope for us. Still be trying to offer up bulls and goats and sheep and pigeons and everything else, try to see if we can make it through another year, be atoned for one more year, if that just roll back. But he says, verse, tw verse 12, or verse 11, he says, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead, coming out, out of those, out of the dead, the ones, there's people that are living that are dead, the living dead. <laughs> they're dead in their trespasses and sin. I don't need to preach a message. The night it's going to be a night season, that tribulation time, and people are going to be dead in their trespasses and sin, and I don't want to go through it. I don't need to be here. God didn't, uh, he didn't appoint any of us to suffer wrath, and he promises in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 that if we are watching and living our life for him, that we won't sleep, and we're not asleep, we won't sleep into the night season. Hey, we don't have to go into the night of the living dead. We can go into the power of his resurrection, be raptured, be taken out of this thing. Amen. So verse 12, he says, not that I have already attained or am already perf perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has laid hold of me. When he laid, I like that way that it says it there in the New King James, that he laid, you ever been laid hold of? <laughs> Jesus laid hold of you. And I mean... He laid down his life, and he brought salvation and victory to us. That's what he, how he laid hold of us. That's how he brought us up out of sin is from what he did. And he says, I want to lay hold of that. I want to take hold of that, that victory that brought me out of sin, that victory that keeps me out of sin, that victory that's going to keep me from that day of sin and trial and tribulation. That's what I want. That's what he says. And he says, forgetting those things which are behind. Come on, let's walk away from the past. And reaching forward to those things which are ahead. That's where I'm pressing on to what he has ahead. i got to shake loose from some of these things. Some of you need to shake loose from some of your old friends and your old acquaintances and your old habits and your old stuff that kept you in the dead part of your life. And you need to press on towards those things that are ahead for you. Christ Jesus and his victory, that new life in Christ. He says, and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. <laughs> I want that upward call. 
wow, that gets us up out of this thing. But you know, there will literally be that upward call one day when we are raptured. But every day of my life, there's an upward call. Not to live in this low living life, but to an upward call to him, to be like him, to be conformed to his image and his likeness, to be a victor, to be a winner, not a quitter. And he says, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call in Christ Jesus. That goal is to win Christ Jesus as our bridegroom. Man, he's waiting. That's going to be the father's love gift to the son. God's love gift to us was the son. Now then, he's wants, God wants to present us as a bride of Christ to Jesus for all that he did. Can you imagine that God wants to take us? And if we're faithful to him, he's going to present us to Jesus Christ as his bride. Wow, if you don't think you're important, you've got another think coming. The bride of Christ is very important. It's tough. It's not easy. That's why he says, I know you have just a little strength. There's not, you know, not too many people make that type of commitment. Not too many people say, you know what, I'm going to forget those things that are behind so that I can put my attention on Christ Jesus for one day I'm going to be his. I'm going to be united with him. I'm going to be the Father's love gift to Jesus. Can you imagine that? When, God the, when Jesus is seated on the throne and God the Father steps over as the Father and he says, come on, pastors, bring your churches in. And we, we come in, here we come. And God the Father, just as the Father takes the bride down the aisle, he brings us down and presents us to Jesus Christ. Wow. And then we as that company that's seen in Revelation fall down and take off the crowns and say, worthy is the lamb that was slain. Before the foundation of the world. Worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb. Wow. That's cool. That's what Paul said. That's, that's my goal. That's my goal. Is that upward call to come up out of this stuff. One day literally to be caught up out of this stuff. And be presented to Jesus Christ as his bride. You got something better. We have something better to live for than low living. When anything tries to pull you back. Say, no, no I got a higher purpose. I can't give myself to that. I got a higher purpose. You know, that Philadelphia church, when we read about them, they have a little strength. They were down, but they were not defeated. The Apostle Paul stoned and, and thrown in prison, thrown in jail. He could have been down when he said, I'm perplexed, but he wasn't defeated. People, you can get down, but you don't have to be defeated. Jesus Christ, the one that has the key of David that it said. He has the authority of heaven. And he has the authority of earth. He gives that to us. You know, and we ought to be like him as, as David. We ought to be warriors and worshipers Amen. that become kings and priests unto our God. You know, we just need to refuse to quit and just get after it. Let me share with you some overcomers. I'll go through this really fast. This is going to be a miracle. You watch this. Are you ready? All right, go. When we look at Joseph with his coat of many colors in the midst of continual difficulty in his life, he refused to quit. And here's a summary of his life. He had a bright future. He had a bickering family. He had a bad fall. He had bothersome foes. He was banished uh, and he had banished freedom. He uh, had a bold focus. He had a breathless finish when he finished. That's Joseph. That's the story. You don't even have to read that. 
Then if we, or we can look at Job. You know, in the midst of his personal adversity that he had, he refused to quit. And so in Job's life, we see his wealth and fortune. Then we see his ways of faith. We see the, his woe and fate. And then his worship and his foresight. And then we see his wife and foolishness. And then we see his witness and his fortitude. And Job was down, but he was not defeated. You don't have to read that book. In the midst of physical deformity, a man named Naaman refused to quit. He was a leper man. He was a little, and then we see in his life a little maid. Then we see a lost mission. Then we see a liberating message. We see a laughable method. We see a life-changing moment. And we see a lasting miracle in Naaman's life because he was down, but he was not defeated. In the midst of governmental authority, Daniel refused to quit. What got Daniel in problem, into trouble was his daily routine. Then we see a daring resolve. We see a deliberate uh, rest, rebellion. We see dreaded results, but we see a dynamic reward. Daniel, that's his life. You don't have to read that book. Daniel was down, but he was not defeated. In the midst of racial hostility, Esther refused to quit. Her life was like this. First of all, in, in her book, we see the characters. Then we see the contest. Then we see the charge. Then we see the challenge. Then we see the courage. Then we see the celebration. Esther, when she was down, she said, I am not defeated. And she rose up as an overcomer, as a mighty one. And we read about her today in her life. In the midst of social depravity, here's Gideon out trying to grind out a little bit of grain, looking around, and we find out all of a sudden that, hey, God has something different for him. But in the first part of the book, when we see him, we see his vexation. Then we see his virtue, mighty man of valor. Then we see this visitor, the angel of the Lord. Then we see the valor of Gideon as he goes forth, and then we see his victories as he conquers an army so much bigger than him. Gideon was down he was definitely not defeated. In the midst of minimal opportunity, a woman named Ruth refused to quit. We see Ruth the widow when she lost her husband. Then we see Ruth the wanderer. Then we see Ruth the worker. Then we see Ruth the wife. Then we see Ruth the wealthy. When she was down, she said, I'm not defeated. And she hung on to what she had, a goal that was set before her that says, you know what? He's greater than all these problems. In Galatians chapter 6, verse 9, Paul tells the Galatians, he says, Let us not become weary in doing good. Hear the word of the Lord today. Let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Remember what Paul said there in Philippians chapter 3 and verse 13, when I was reading, he said, forgetting those things which are behind, he says, and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal or the, for the prize of the upward call in God, in Christ Jesus. You may be down today, but you don't have to be defeated. <coughs> See, we're going to get down, but you don't have to stay down. You need to schedule your down times. He said, I don't have time to be discouraged right now. I'll just wait. Let me write that down. I'll be discouraged later. And put that in your file to, at later. And then assign a certain time to it. And then pray before you go into that time. Say, so, okay, now I'm going to be discouraged. Okay, I was discouraged. Now I'm not. Schedule it. <laughs> and if you don't have time for it, then don't yield to it. See, these winners, they're just simply ex-losers who got mad. Have you ever noticed that? Have you ever got 
frustrated and you said, you know what, I've had enough of this. And that's when we do something. Just an ex-loser that got mad and said, I'm going to be a winner. You know, we need to stop validating our victim mentality that's being sold to us through our society, through everything else. Yeah. Stop validating our victim mentality. I like what one person said, Steve uh, Marabola said, shake off your self-defeating drama and embrace your innate ability to recover and achieve. Come on, let's do that. Shake off your self-defeating drama. <laughs> How many drama kings and queens do we have in here? No, don't raise your hand. We already know who you are. <laughs> Vic <laughs> Victoria, I jotted this down. Victoria, uh, victorious warriors win first and then go to war while defeating warriors go to war first and then seek to win. That's what um, Sun Tzu said in his, in his book, in his writings, The Art of War. And I jotted that down. I thought, you know what? That's good. That's good. You ever re read Sun Tzu and his Art of War? You ought to read that because, you know what? You can put some good principles into your spiritual warfare. He said, victorious warriors win first and then go to war. How many of us in our spiritual lives go out here to kick the devil in the teeth and we hadn't won yet? in our prayer closet, in our war room, you win first, and then you go to war, while defeated warriors go to war first, then seek to win. Then we try to win. That's our problem, people. We get out here, and, and we haven't even sought to win first, and then we go out here to take on sin, self, and Satan, and we get kicked in the teeth, and we're down, and then we're trying to seek to win after we've already got knocked down. Let's win first, and then go out and take it to him. We just need some courage. We need courage to do that. Don't you believe that? We need courage to get into your war room, get in touch with God, and become a winner first. Courage. So that reminds me of a story, and I'll tell it, and then we'll stop. Courage. This is where I see courage. I think it is every time I say courage. Husband and wife were on vacation. They were traveling, and all of a sudden, there was this problem, so they stopped at the dentist, and the wife runs in and says, can you pull a tooth? He says, the dentist says, She says, it, I need you to pull a tooth right now, and no need for Novocaine, any of that kind of stuff, cheap, I just got cash, and so I need you to do it now. Don't add anything else. No, no pain medicine, anything. He says, well, all right. Which tooth is it? And she says, show him your tooth, honey. <laughs> she had courage <laughs> when it wasn't her. How many of us are like that? We got all the courage that's necessary when it's for somebody else. Right? When it's for somebody else. But what about it when it's us? Do we have that courage that it takes to get up and to continue the fight? And to say, come on, I'm getting up out of this thing, and I'm not going to be a loser. I'm going to be a winner. Amen. Let's pray this morning. Father, thank you that you've already given to us everything we need to win. Greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. You have, in your word, Paul says, thanks be it to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have the victory already. And Lord, let us win first before we go out to the battlefield. Rather than just running out in our strength and in our depravity of, of heart and soul, let us know who you are first. Father, let us not be pretenders. Father, let us be prepared and 
let us be a true example of who you are. Let our lives show your character, your nature. Let us embrace what the Holy Spirit shows us and reveals to us and leads us and guides us and gives us wisdom in our lives, in our daily lives, individually and collectively. Father, we, need, we want to be overcomers so that when that trumpet sounds and that upward call for that time comes, we'll be caught up with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So shall we ever be with the Lord. Lord, we're comforted with those words today that you have given to us a promise that all we need to do is just get up when we're knocked down. And Lord, to always trust you, you're a good God. You love us. You've given to us what we need to be successful and faithful. Help us to hide ourselves in you. Help us to take on your character, your nature, to evidence who the bride of Christ really is. You have chosen us, adopted us, placed us. It's time we begin to live like the bride of Christ. Father, that's not so high-minded high and so spiritually minded that we're of no earthly good. That's the type of person that's spiritually minded enough that wants to go reach into those that are so low that we bring them up so that they too can rejoice and have that life and begin to learn how to live that life for you to be the bride of Christ. God, help us to get encouraged to have your compassion to love those that are lost, those that are away from you, those that have wandered away from you and strayed. Holy Spirit, lead us. Open those doors of opportunity for us to witness. Close the doors that we don't need to walk into. Thank you that you give us that way of escape in the sense that you give us that choice of free will that we can make that decision that that's not what we're going to do. That we know the difference. Father, we come today to commit ourselves to you fresh and anew today as winners. We're going to win first. So if you're in here today, how many of you say, Father, I want to commit myself to you as a winner for you, for you. Amen. You're going to run that race with perseverance, not denying his name. Even when it seems like you have just a little strength, going to press on towards that mark for that that goal for that prize, the high calling, that upward call. Amen. 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 Now, let me just pray. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, let me ask you this question. Are you certain today of your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ? Do you know that you have a personal relationship with him, that he is your Savior, that you have received him today as your Savior? You've been born again. You've been your spirit is alive, been awakened, that you know that if it was your time to enter into eternity, that you have no doubt that you're going to spend eternity with the Lord Jesus Christ in the heaven that has been created for him and for us. If you're not sure, if you don't have that certainty today, if, you don't, if you're not 100% sure, then why don't you just raise your hand and let us pray for you. Say, I'm not sure today. If that's you, then raise your hand and let us pray with you. The way to God is simply receiving him, saying, I believe that you are the son of God. 
and that you died for me. But you didn't stay dead. You rose from the grave. And right now you're seated at the right hand of the Father, praying, making intercession for me, praying. Do you believe that? If you do, if you believe he's the Son of God, that he died for you, just raise your hand. Amen. And that he's your Savior. Amen. Amen. How many believe that we have a responsibility now to share that with others that aren't sure? And you know it's simple? You can just say, you know, are you sure of your spiritual life? Are you, spirit, are you sure of your spiritual condition? I love you and I care enough about you that I don't want anything to happen to you. You just tell them that. Hey, you know what? You're my friend. I care about you. How's your spiritual life? Are you sure today that if this were your time to enter into eternity that you'd spend it with the Lord Jesus Christ? If they say, no, I'm not. You know, it's easy. All you got to do is receive him. All you got to do is receive him. Believe that he's the son of God. Died for you. Rose. He's seated at the hand of the Father. Believe in your heart. Confess with your mouth that he's Lord. The Bible says that you can be saved. People, that's the most exciting message. That gospel to rescue people out of the clutches of hell and see them transformed. That's the most exciting thing that you could ever have in your life. I want to impart it to you today. Amen. Father, we want to be witnesses. Holy Spirit, we know that that's why the early church was that you came upon the early church. Jesus said that it'd be power to be my witnesses. And Father, make us witnesses for you. Witnesses for you. That's what we want. Stand with me this morning in prayer. Hallelujah. Father, as we stand today, we stand in victory. We're winners. We're not quitters. Father, I thank you for a winning spirit upon us today. Father, we're going to go forth, Father, in our Super Bowl of life where the powers of darkness come against the powers of light. And we're already winners. And Father, so we go forth to be a light that dispels darkness and to live that life that you've called us to. And Father, we await that wonderful hour, that day, when that trumpet will sound and we'll be caught up together. And to meet you in the air, Lord, we're so excited about that. Lord, let that enthusiasm and that, that goal keep us, Father, from falling, from quitting.